On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are going to be talking about the teachers' standoff. It appears, the way things are going right now, that the government has pretty much capitulated on almost every demand the teachers have made, which makes me wonder, what was the point of all this? If you were a government that was going to fight for this, why are you backing off? If you really believed in this, why are you backing off? It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, and it doesn't seem to have accomplished much. We'll talk about that. Also, Don Robertson is going to join me. We're going to talk about cheating. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, including a new puck that's being brought out for the NHL playoffs. What's it going to tell us? I don't know. It's all computerized and everything. It's going to tell us new fancy stuff. What is it? Well, we don't know. But I'm sure it'll be important. We'll talk about it. Stay with us. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. One person that probably, I don't know if he's standing or sitting, but probably is wanting to run and hide right now is Education Minister Stephen Lecce in Ontario here. And here is why. You know what's been going on with the teachers. You know about the standoff between the government, the provincial government, the Ford government, and the teachers' unions. Well, today... Education Minister Stephen Lecce says his government now wants to boost class size, not to 28 what they said before, but from last year's average of 22 to 23, but really last year's average was 22.9. So really, they're going to just keep class sizes the same. And he says that they're going to restore some special education funding grants, and you're going to have an opt-out if you don't want to do the online courses that they proposed which when you put it all together, oh, and he says he will give the teachers a 1% increase plus 1% on their benefits, which means if you put all of this together, we've gone through all of this for nothing. What was the point? Nothing's changed. Why? Let me bring in Bill Kelly. Yeah, you know Bill Kelly. He does the morning show here on CHML. Uh, Bill is writing about this for his commentary for tomorrow. You can find that online. You'll hear it here on the air. Bill, thanks for doing this today. Hey, Scotty. How you doing, bud? Well, I'm I'm busy night. You know, I'm doing the the Democratic presidential primary here. Uh, I've got this story going on, and and my Bruins are playing Tampa Bay, so it's a busy night. But I would drop everything to talk with you on your program. Why? Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I I'm just totally puzzled because when this whole thing gets to this point where now the government is essentially saying, "Yeah, where we started from and everything that you were against, we're going to give you what you wanted." What was the point of all this? Uh, there is no point. Uh, by the way, I have insightful information for you for your show here. I just uh, checked in with my friends at Queen's Park, and apparently on the menu tomorrow at the Queen's Park cafeteria is a heaping helping of crow uh, for the government. Uh, because everything they tried to do here has gone way by the wayside, and they've essentially capitulated just about everything. And, and they've always tried to make this about money, and it never was. It was about class size. It was about e-learning. And they've they've given essentially... The, the, everything, given into everything they're doing. Uh, and the reason why, and you and I have talked about this, and you've talked about it on your, your show, I've talked about it on mine, there is no rationalization ever, anywhere in North America, to substantiate any of these things that these guys tried to do. The the only place that, that, that mandated e-learning that said this is where it's going to be was Alabama in the United States, and they ranked 49th out of 50 states when it came to educational outcomes. So, you know, that was that was BS. Uh, you know, as the other stuff is just total crap. This was all about reducing spending. It wasn't about creating a better education system. And you know something? If if you're scoring this at home, people, uh, teachers won, government nothing. They basically held out and said, no, we're not going to do a one-day strike. We're not going to do a massive strike so you can order us back. We're going to keep picking away at this until you guys finally capitulate. And they did today. 
I, I don't disagree with you whatsoever about the idea that this was about reducing spending. That said, Bill, we do know that the province has a spending problem. It's had a spending problem for a long time. And part of this government coming into office was on a, let's cut back on the spending and let's get the finances in order. So this was one of the yeah, big Scott, ones. Look what they've done. The two things they've targeted were education and health care. Find me five people anywhere at King and James that are going to say, you know where we should cut is education and health care. I, that, that's, that, I get that. That's where most of the money is going. That's right. But that's this, why. This is, this is why, because this is important to us. Ask any five people, those same people at King and James, they'll say the two biggest priorities are education and health care. Don't cut back those. Find something else. You know, this is, this is a government that just said, okay, we're going to limit your spending or your increases to 1%. Oh, by the way, our, uh, our, our parliamentary assistance in my government just got a 14% raise. But never mind that, okay? There's, there's a duplicity here that I think really has rankled people. This, to me, what this comes across as, quite frankly, from this government is, I don't know the people who are behind their communications side of things, but this has been, a, in my mind, a complete failure of communications from this government because they haven't got their message out. They lost the PR battle right off the bat. And everywhere along the way that anyone in any area has pushed back against this government and had public support, they've immediately folded. So why would the teachers feel like they should not do the same? Well, and the rationale for that and, and is, is, I think, a, a very important point here, is because the government doesn't have any solid ground to stand on when they've made these decisions. You know, they, they screwed up the, the autism funding, uh, and just said, well, this is what's best for the students. No, it isn't. The people that are living that dream are, are saying, no, this is wrong. This is killing us. And they've had to walk back that not once but twice. Now they're doing this with the education system. Uh, these guys have, have, have really have to step back and say, okay, if your mantra is just to reduce costs, go ahead. But you're going to pay a price for this. And I think somebody has finally whispered in the premier's ear and said, look, it, you know what, we, we've got to start engaging in people they did the same thing with the sex educate class you know they said you know they remember they did this this public thing what well, we want to get your input into this and when 75 percent of the people said this was wrong they withheld the information they're doing the same thing with the education program we found this out over the last week that the public consultation indicated that 95 percent of the people that responded to this said don't do what you're proposing now they're responding to this why don't they do this before they dictate policy instead of after the fact you're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. We are chatting with Bill Kelly, though, about the news that has broken this afternoon about the teacher's situation with the province. It appears the province has given the teachers... Now, it hasn't gone to the union yet, but it sounds like they've given them pretty much everything they want. Class sizes back to where it was. 1, 1% pay raise, 1% benefits uh, increase, uh, special ed funding going back up, no e-classes if you don't want it. So, Bill, well, okay, so while, and we talked about it before the break, while there's a lot of people who say, good, we don't want education tinkered with, there is a flip side of sort of be careful what you wish for in this one as well. And I think it comes from this. Um, I don't know that there is any group in any place in this country now that should feel more powerful than the teachers unions because they have backed down the one government that you would have thought would have been, if ever a government was going to take you on, you would have thought it would be this one. If this government won't stand up to you, should we be at all concerned that you have given the teachers union just too much power for future negotiations down the road? No. And, and here's why. Uh, because I, I think the stand the teachers took, and I've talked, as you have on, on our program many times, 
this is not about, okay, we're going to try to stick it to the government. This is about what kind of education system do you want, okay? And and you mentioned that just a, a minute before the break here. The Ford mantra seems to be what is the cheapest way to deliver education, not is what the best way to deliver education. And every time, and I've had the Minister of Education, I've had met Lecce on the program a couple of times. He seems like a nice guy. Uh, but he gets his marching orders from the, you know, the college dropout, who's the premier of this province right now, who simply says, cut the bottom line. And, and uh, I, I I'll give you a math example here, Scott. Because you heard this, and I certainly heard this when I was in school. Show me your work. Here's your, here's your answer. Show me how you got there. Show me how if this is the best system. And they can't do that. Show me how e-learning is better. They can't do that. Show me how... Uh, you know, reducing this and reducing that and cutting the number of staff and cutting teachers is a better system. They don't do that. They're just trying to cut the bottom line. And parents are onto this right now. But Bill, and at the parents- same time, at the same time though, Bill, our EQAO scores have been dropping and dropping and dropping. So the, the status quo isn't working either. No, no, Scott, uh, sorry, misrepresentation. We have a problem with grade five or six math scores. Yes. That's about it. Okay. Don't give me that. Ontario's education system is still one of the best-ranked systems in Canada, if not in the world. Uh, we've got some problems with math, and there's a number of things that we have to do about that. But don't, don't, don't give me this crap that the Ford government is doing, that our education system is broken. This, this, this brings me back to John Snowball in 1995 when he was Mike Harris's education minister. Remember that video that he said? You know how we're going to get our policies across? We're going to create a crisis and then say we're the solution to it. And, and we're hearing that same thing over again. We need to tweak this. We don't need to blow it up. And that's what this government tried to do. And, and I think what they've finally come to this realization that, you know what, the parents, the community are, are not buying this like they did 20 years ago. We want a best system for our kids. And this is not what the government is offering. Get back to the table. Settle this. I, I'm hoping, by the way, and your point's well taken, uh, the teachers are going to say, okay, these were the talking points we agreed to. Now we're going to agree to this. Uh, the 1%, that's going to the courts. Forget about that for now. I want the best education system for our kids. And if the government's going to say, okay, we've capitulated, we're going to do that, then you know what? Peace pipe, let's do this, let's move on. I look. I, my concern is that with the the fact that I believe this that all the teachers unions now believe wholeheartedly that after this, after taking on this government, they could get anything from any government. Because you know, if an NDP government wins, they're not going to stand up to a teachers union, and a liberal government hasn't certainly with Kathleen Wynne. And now the one you thought would fight them. So I'm hoping and trusting that when the next negotiation comes around, that they're not so emboldened that we now see demands that we can't pay. Because already this government, this province, pardon me, is financially strapped. I'm just hoping that this solves a problem without creating a new one. Okay, but here's, I'll go back to my original point. Show me where e-learning is a better system. Nobody has proven that. It's, it's not. It's, it's a cost-saving measure. Show me all the other things that they've talked about are going to make it a better education system. It's not. It's a cost-saving measure. If, if we as a province and we as voters say, all right, I don't want the best education system. I want the cheapest education system. Uh, uh, fine. Uh, then go ahead with Doug Ford's initiatives. But me and your parents, and I'm a parent, I want the best education system for my kids and for my grandparents and everything else. Uh, grandkids, rather. I'm sorry. And, and if they can't deliver that, and then, then we have a problem. These guys, their priorities are screreed up right now. And, and it seems as if the, the pushback now 
And it's not just from you and me, and not just from the teachers' union. It's from boards of education. It's from parents' groups. It's from autism groups are saying, you got this wrong. And if they finally got that message, God bless them. But now, this is, this is not the end. This is the end of the beginning. Now we have to say, okay, now what are you guys going to do about this? I, I don't know what's going to happen going forward. You will, I'm sure, hear more about this on Bill's show tomorrow. You oh, can yeah. read it in his commentary. Bill Kelly, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Scotty. Uh, look, uh, Bill and I obviously don't agree on every part about this one, uh, but I will say this. I don't know how the current Ford government could get this one into such a mess. If you're going to fight for something, fight for something. If you're not going to fight for something, if you're willing to back down, then don't start the fight in the first place. It, it just seems like this whole thing was for nothing. It's a giant pumpkin. What was the point? If you truly believe that this is something to fix... Then fix it. Fight for it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I'm going to bring in Don Roberts. Don is usually here on Monday night. He had a game last night. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, he is here tonight instead on a Tuesday. Thanks for coming in. Today is Tuesday. So I, I had to make a phone call. And I thought about this the other day. And now I can't get it out of my head. I called someone. And you get the computerized answering machine. And it says, uh, if you're calling from a touchtone phone... Hit whatever. Versus what, a rock and a... And, and I've talked, you know, years tin ago... Tin can and a string? Yeah, years ago on this show, we talked about this. And I said, who in 2020 is not on a touch-tone phone of some kind? Who are the people... I know there are a handful of people out there still using rotary dial. But who... Is that really necessary in 20 to say, if you, 2020 to say, if you're calling on a touch-tone phone? Uh, I would think not, but... If you're calling on a phone, press 4. How about just press four? Yeah. Yeah, do you need the caveat to say if you're... Co- I like it when they say, listen carefully, our uh, lineup has changed. <laughs> yeah, that's right, because I memorized it before. Well, I can, like, you've been hearing the same thing for five years. What, do you change it every week? Well, there's that too. Uh, the the um, And I think, and I'm going to go back and check this, and someone at home may have one of these nearby where they could look it up. I believe that at least some, if not most, phone services in Canada still charge you a surcharge for touch-tone service. I believe on, they used to anyway until recently, that on your bill, there would be a surcharge for touch-tone phone surcharge. I don't think there's any more analog out there. How do you, how do you not, as I say, how do you, who are the five people in the country that are not on a touch-tone phone these days? A lot of people don't have home phones. Speaking of phones, if you're calling in, the lines are ringing, so let them ring. Ben will get to you as fast as he can. Uh, yeah, but okay, but if you don't have a phone, you have a cell phone then, and I think it's a touch-tone phone because I've yet to see the rotary dial iPhone. I saw a guy with a big long string on his, so maybe he was hooked <laughs> to the house. That, that'll be the new, what, everything that's old is new again. I mean, yes. hipsters are back. and at Shade some carpet. Point, at some point, you're going to see Apple come out with the rotary dial iPhone. <laughs> It'll prevent butt dialing. <laughs> really hard to really hard to dial by accident when you sit on your phone and it suddenly spins all those numbers. I prefer pocket dialing, but I get your point. But dial, pocket dial. Uh, there you go. Don Robertson. Uh, as I say, had a game last night, Dundas, Real McCoys. A little bit of a, uh, well, you fill in the blank. Piss bit. off. Okay. Um, yeah. We were, uh, it was a great series. The Brantford Blast wanted to play the uh, Hamilton Steelhawks for the uh, Robertson Cup starting this Friday night. 
in Hamilton at the Mountain Arena, but we were down two nothing. Had a great crowd. Uh, two nothing in games. Yeah, we were down two nothing in games. So last Friday and Saturday we beat Brantford. Brought them back to Jail Greitmeyer last night. Uh, we're down two nothing at the end of the first. We're up four two at the end of the second, and uh, let it slip away. And there was no penalties in the third until two minutes and two seconds to go, and we get whistled for a penalty. They score a power play goal, and now we wait till April the 6th, which is at 7.30 at JL Greitmeyer, which is our first game in the Allen Cup. Uh, so Allen Cup this year co-hosted, so it'll be games at Mountain Arena, Dave Anderchuk Mountain Arena, and at JL Greitmeyer. It's, uh, it'll be fun. Um, a lot of things I want to get to today, because we okay. didn't get to these yesterday. Sports Illustrated, or SI.com now, uh, the online version of Sports Illustrated, they have a piece on their website today discussing how Major League Baseball is going to try to really crack down on cheating and take a stand against cheating. And and look, this is this all goes to the Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox thing where it was technological cheating, where it was not the kind of cheating that we're used to in sports because we're used to more... Like human in, in, interrupt, interrupt or intercepting um, radio waves to the quarterback. Yeah, no, helmet. N- not that. We're used to reading signs or whatever. Yep. But uh, so I, I thought about this. Okay, I, I understand what they're talking about. And I understand that you want to get that kind of cheating out of baseball or out of whatever sport. But do we want cheating gone out of all sports? Which sounds like a crazy question. But do we really want to? go down a path that says we would try to eliminate all types of cheating. Because there's a million different ways you can cheat. And lots of them there's penalties for. Some. Right. Some. So, but you're talking about the ones that are more difficult to to identify and more difficult to penalize against. Like the Houston Astro, Astros, who got, in essence, a slap on the wrist. Although it's coming back to bite them, as we know. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you want all the cheating gone. I think you want to... I, uh, my motto has always been, if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. And a lot of people say that. So everybody's always trying to find an edge on how to do something. Roger Nielsen was the master at it, uh, in fastball and, and hockey. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if you can, because somebody will come up with a new way somehow. See, cause stealing but, signs yeah. the old fashioned way, theoretically, technically is cheating. Yep. But it's been going on forever. But there was no penalty for it. The penalty for it was that if they caught you, the other team was going to put a fastball in someone's ribs. Yeah. That was the penalty. And it was, to me, it was part of the gamesmanship of the games. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things where you can say, okay, it's part of the gamesmanship. I'm not talking about taking drugs. I'm not talking about steroids. That's cheating. That's, that's on a grander scale. And there are things that are on a grand scale, but I'm talking about do, like, where do you go? How far do you go to say, we want you, do, you, do we like it when back in the old days, they just had a clip of, on the TV that's in the studio here. I don't know why it was on. They just had a clip of Grant Fuhr. Now, I don't know if Grant Fuhr did it, but I know back in the early eighties, there were goalies who were expanding their equipment to try and catch an inch here or an inch there. D- do we, do we nod to them and go, yeah, clever. Or do yeah, we they say, brought rules in. They brought dimensions in for pads. They brought uh, the curvature of a stick, which they've since abolished. Uh, there's a pretty substantiated rumor that um, Tony Esposito, who really brought the butterfly into vogue and in playing net between his pants, would had uh, like 
a piece of nylon there. So when he opened his uh, legs, the, the five hole was covered up. So you it, more difficult. And they didn't have a rule for that. So he was cheating. So it's been going on since sports started, I think. See, I, I, some people are going to say, well, you're, you're parsing it too fine. I think there's cheating and there's cheating. I think there's cheating where you look at it and you say, you know what, I, there's no way that I can endorse that because it's so much of an unfair advantage that it seems, and again, I'm talking about using steroids, Ben Johnson, for example. Yeah. I'm not endorsing what Ben Johnson did, but there's cheating and there's cheating. There's trying to catch an edge and play along the fringes of the rules. And, and so, uh, so they need someone like you to determine what's really cheating and what isn't. Well, I don't know. I like, I don't know how you do it. I don't don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you find that line, but I do think that there has been one of the things that I think we're losing in sports and we, we may have already lost it. In fact, I'm guessing we probably have is Sports is ultimately supposed to be about fun and games, and it's supposed to be not the most serious thing in the world. And we have turned most sports in, and it's largely because of the money that's involved, but we've turned most sports into the most serious things ever. The NHL general managers today spent hours talking about whether or not offside should be a foot on the blue line or in the air in a plane over the blue, like minuscule minutia that... If you go back and you find on the 1969 NHL rule book, it's probably about 40 pages, if that. Yeah. And now it's what, 400 pages? Every time there's a concern, they put a rule in about it. I mean, when I refereed the high sticking, under high sticking, the definition is any player carrying his stick above the normal height of the shoulders. Well, that's got nothing to do with anything anymore. I presume it's been updated, but... Some some of some of the rules that are in the book are that antiquated and have nothing to do with how the rule reads. Yeah, you know what? If you can, there are things that I, I I'm okay with the getting an edge on someone as long as it's and it, it may be counted as cheating as long as it's not. Uh, I, I, well, I don't even know where the line is. I, that, that's part of the problem with this. Like, I, I, I don't endorse Ben Johnson. I don't endorse the Astros using technology to cheat. But there's other cheating that I would say, no, I'm fine with that because I think it's kind of clever. But I have a hard time telling you where that line is. There will be people out there that, that don't believe that Usain Bolt is clean. Probably. Because he was just so fast. Probably. So you're going, that can't be that natural. So he has found a way to enhance his body and go undetected because there's always cynics out there looking for a reason to say that's impossible. But once in a while, people are that just that good. Now, teams, that's a different one. Used to be, you know, there was a rule in the NHL where your stick could only be so long. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zadino Chero had to get an exemption for that because he's – you know, uh, 14 foot two. And, but as, as far as I'm concerned, some of the rules you look at, you just say, do whatever you want. Like you've heard me on here before saying, look at if a guy wants to fill himself up with steroids so he can hit 200 home runs and he knows he's going to die when he's 28, if that's his choice, let him do it. It's not my job to protect him. So yeah, you I, go ahead and you do whatever you want. I say either open it all up or you got to be careful. Like, the Houston Astros, to me, committed a foul 
as egregious as what Pete Rose did, mm-hmm. notwithstanding the 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 um, signs in every dressing room that says you cannot bet on baseball. Forget about that. These guys didn't bet on it; they cheated on it. Yep, they cheated the game, they cheated the fans, and they cheated their opposition. And it's starting to come back to haunt them. If you hear some of the interviews in uh, in spring training, and I think what Major League Baseball are doing is they're doing what governments do and many people do. They're going to have a study on it or we're going to find out about it and we're going to look into it and we're going to get harder on it. And we're hoping, hoping that if we say that enough, it'll go away. See, I think as I'm sitting here, I think the line that I draw for this is if both teams could do the same thing in the game, I'm okay with it if, even if you're bending the rules a bit. That's what I'm saying. Just get rid of all the rules. Yeah, but you can't get rid of all rules. Well, you got to have offside or... But if as long as both teams could do it if they wanted and could catch the other side doing it and do something about it. Because if you're stealing signs in the old-fashioned way, both teams could do that and the other team can do something to prevent you from stealing the signs. So it's part of the gamesmanship. The flip side is with Houston, they had TV technology the other team couldn't have and there's nothing they could do about it even if they figured it out. They could have it at home. Yeah, but you couldn't do it at the at the park in time. I mean, I'm just reading, there's a second story on SI.com and this one, this one is the kind of cheating that makes you crazy because it is a long, it's a very interesting story. I would encourage people to go read it. It's SI.com. It's inside the huge cheating problem with the Paralympics. And you have athletes because there's all different levels of disability within the Paralympics. So you have athletes who are now competing against lesser abled athletes, but enhancing the description of what their disability is so that they can compete against people who are not as capable physically as them. And you look at that and you go, really? I think that's a different topic. Well, that, but it's cheating. It's cheating, but you now have to get some doctor or someone to, and, and I mean, it's a very complicated thing. Summer Mortimer, Ancaster swimmer who won a bunch of medals in London in the Paralympics. She got accused of this and, but she, her, because she looks not disabled, but her feet are so mangled that she can barely walk. And so when she comes out onto the deck of the pool, she has all of her limbs and she looks like the average person walking down the street, but she, part of swimming is kicking your feet and flexing your ankles and your feet. She can't bend her. So she is, by the category that she's in, she fits it, but you don't look like it. But so people are playing fast and loose with the rules here, not doing what she's doing, which is actually in the proper category, trying to find ways to. Yeah. Uh, that tells you all you need to know about it, some people. It kind of does. It kind of does, and it kind of that's that's where you start getting to the part where you say, "Is it is it even possible?" To your point, is even it's like the Phil Hartman sketch on SNL years ago when it's the all drug Olympics, I where you can take it. whatever you want. He goes to lift the eight hundred pounds off the ground and rips his both arms out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let him do it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The NFL Combine is on this weekend, or was it last weekend? It was last weekend. It was on last weekend. And for those who don't know what the NFL Combine is, I'm assuming most people do, it's essentially a fitness testing meat market where they bring in all the highest ranked prospects, all the meat, and they make them go through 
40 meter runs. So you can jump over a car. Jumping and lifting. and So like, you can pick a car up. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. How many, you know, 225 pound dumbbell or uh, barbells, how many reps can you do of bench press and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, it really is a, it's kind of like for those of my age, I don't know if they would have had it when you were going through a school. Remember the old Canada fitness program? Yeah. Did you have the Canada fitness thing? Yeah, right? The shuttle run and the- yeah. The, pay, the flexed arm hang. Well, and it was different then. We threw the hammer and all right. picked up rocks. <laughs> With grunk <laughs> in our caves. And then we painted a, a, pa- a, a painting of some sort of woolly mammoth on the side of the cave. Uh, and, um, who, who could outrun a dinosaur? Yeah. It, but that's what this basically is. It's a fitness test. And we do it with hockey now. The NHL does something similar to this. And... Here's what I don't get about this. And you're the guy who's been in hockey forever and run teams and everything else. If you've watched a football player in this particular case play all of his college games, you can look at the guy, you can see how he plays, you can watch him on film. How much should, how much he bench presses really matter when I go to draft a guy? Like why not just draft him based on whether or not he can play the game? doesn't matter at all to me. But they put immense stock in this thing. It's a show. Yeah, but the, Don, there's constantly stories of guys who show up at the combine and their draft stock skyrockets because they did 18 <clears throat> reps of the do bench they, press. Do they um, do they throw them footballs? Some parts are, but that's but again, you've seen. Uh, so I'll tell you what. I years ago there was a guy that I um, I heard about who was a high school kid in this city, and someone said to me the Thai Cats were having field goal problems at the time. It was back maybe 15 years ago, maybe more. And they said, there's this kid at high school and you should come out and see the kid kick. He can kick, he can kick field goals from 65 yards. And so I went out and I called him up and I said, where are you going to be? And we went out and he hit a field goal from like 60 something yards. Now the difference was he hit it without it being in a game situation. He could tie, he could start his run up to the ball whenever he was good and ready. There was no... 250-pound guys running toward him, ready to smash his face in. The game was not on the line. He didn't have all the teammates who had broken their bodies for a game that could potentially lose if he blows it. Like, kicking when there's nothing going on is a whole heck of a lot easier than doing it under, under pressure. I call them practice players. That's right. So when you go to the combine and throw footballs to guys... And no one is trying to take your head off and you're not wearing pads and there's nothing on the line. Everybody can catch a ball. I could catch a ball in a combine. Put me in a game though, where someone wants to come in at full speed and knock me senseless. I'm probably turtling. So I I just look at this thing every year and I go, I don't, I just don't get it. I just don't get the point. I mean, sure. I suppose if the guy takes off his shirt and he's got a rib sticking out or something, you go, oh, maybe that was something we should know about. They're, they put a lot more weight in off, off field, off ice, um, conduct. Um, the National Hockey League do that. I mean, they have a little one too. I'm telling you, it's a TV event. It's not going to determine. If somebody goes in there and can't lift your car off the ground and the other guy that's rated 97th can, he might go, he might go 85th. But he's not, he's not going number one. He's not going in the top five based on it. You're right. All the attention is based on 
and I've seen it before. This guy can't skate. This guy can't do this. But boy, he can put the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. So you find a way to put him on your team. He's not. He's going to be last in every skating drill you do, until you need a power play goal, and he wobbles out and snaps one home. I mean, you got to watch the games. You got to see what the guy can do under pressure at the appropriate time. All these guys that that, that play with us basically can do the, the. They can score a lacrosse goal from behind the net. They might need two or three minutes to get up on get it up on their stick, and they might need two or three tries, but they're going to get it done. But they're not going to do it in a game, and so that doesn't really matter. And if you had a guy that could do it every time, he may not be able to play in your team. The NFL one is stupid, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, because it, again, I I would rather you, if I'm general manager of a team, I would rather send my scouts and trust them what they've seen in a game situation than just being going, oh, wow, that guy lifted that, that much, so therefore we must somehow be now more intrigued by him. But if that one's stupid, Don, the NHL one is absolutely mind-blowingly dumb, in my opinion, because the, the NHL one is on dry land. What's the point? Why would you not do it as a fitness test on skates, at least, where you're putting them in the environment where they're going to participate? Well, you could argue Phil Kessel might not have made it in the NHL if you had to do the dry land training. But the um, some of the guys that, that do well at those combines might go from 17th to 15th because they're very impressive. And you look at them, you're looking at the guy, one guy looks like me, one guy looks like you, and they're going, we better take the... We'd better take the tall, thin guy, right? That's but you can visually see that. But I will guarantee you that very seldom do guys put themselves in a position from going in the fifth round to going into the first round or the second round. That's not going to happen. You're around hockey players. If a hockey player is walking around the a good like a guy who's played for a while, if he's walking around in shorts, describe what his legs look like. Tree trunks. Which part of his legs? The thighs are tree trunks. Yeah. They have no calves. Go look at hockey players. They have no calves. And the reason is because your foot is in the skate, which is a fixed position. You gain calf muscle strength by flexing your ankle. When you push off and jump and stuff, that's how you work your calf muscle. When your foot is locked in an L position, all the power for hockey players comes from their thighs. Yes. Like Sidney Crosby, I saw him in shorts somewhere one time in Cops. They had a they had a Pittsburgh game years ago, an exhibition game. And he was walking around in shorts. His thighs are the size of a smart car. Like he's just enormous. <laughs> but they have no calves. And so I'm looking and I'm thinking, so why then as part of the NHL combine do they have a standing broad jump, which essentially is an exercise to test the strength of your calf muscles? It's stupid. Like it's just, they don't even, some of the exercises you look and you go, it's not even applicable in any, show me the last hockey player that did a standing broad jump maneuver on the ice. I can't think of any to be honest with you, but just for the record, all of our players have, uh, have calves. Well, I assume they have had not had them removed. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not suggesting they're, they're somehow, that's a surgical procedure that's done yeah. before you play. Yeah, We're the thigh goes right into the bone. <laughs> The only time on ice that anyone's ever done the standing broad jump is back in the day of Wide World of Sports when they had the barrel jumping in Quebec, yeah. which I still think they should bring back. That was outstanding. It was good, especially when they they like landed four before the end. 
The one, the oh, young yeah. guy that caught his butt, that wasn't that much fun. But the guy got tangled up about four deep. You're going, wow, that was funny. Yeah. That's, uh, anyway, I, I just, I, I, every week, every year when the combine comes along, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, whatever else, I'm thinking, this is highly paid football brains spending an awful lot of time on something that I'm really not sure how much of this translates. And, and maybe somewhere along the way, somebody who you didn't know about is discovered. But if he's just being discovered at the combine, where's your scouting staff been? Well, how do you get to the combine? Well, you, there you, you go. You can't sign up for it. Again, my answer is it's a TV event. See, now that would be the place where you would have some value to a combine. If you bring all the guys that might not get drafted in. Well, last weekend or two weekends ago at McMaster, they had an event that you could sign up for. It was free to do it. And it was done by the Canadian Olympic Committee or Canadian Olympics, whatever. And you could go and just do fitness stuff. And what they were looking for is, let's say Don Robertson was a baseball player and it never dawned on you that you might be good at some other sport. So you come and they're going to put you through a bunch of stuff and they can find and say, you know what, you are cut out as an athlete. You'd be really good at this sport that you had never thought about yeah. as an Olympic sport. And so they put hundreds of people through these tests to try and find some folks that... Turns out none of them could play anything? Well, no. Apparently there were a bunch that were really, really impressive. One of them, and I had talked to her for a story in the paper beforehand, was a badminton player. Now, you would think, okay, how does badminton translate into any kind of winter Olympic sport? Well, apparently she was incredibly, incredibly quick. She was the fastest person in some quickness drill out of the whole bunch. For the winter Olympics? Well, well, I I don't know where you would apply it or how you would apply it, but it's always struck me that, they're getting very sort of deep here, but there is a very good chance that the greatest hockey player in history never played hockey. Oh, I believe that. Somewhere in the world... There was someone who might have been the greatest hockey player of all time, but never discovered hockey or never played a different sport or, and and you can say that with every sport, that there could be someone out there who was the, and so if you can, A, either because they weren't exposed to it, because they didn't know the sport, because they're in a different country. So if you can now take great athletes and say, we will plug, rather than you plugging yourself into a sport, we're going to plug you into a sport you're cut out for. That's a cool idea. It is an interesting idea. I mean, there's been lots of track guys that are going to say, we're going to make them running back. Or bobsleigh pushers. Ronaldo Nehemiah. Remember yeah. the, uh, the Jamaican bobsleigh. Jesse team. Lumsden. Yeah. I mean, we're going to find people who may not know they have the body type or the ability to do this. Bob Sled is interesting. And track guys, big, and, and some football players like, like Lumsden. Yeah, right. And you can do it for a long time. He's been doing it 36 years now. Well, he's, he's finally given it up, but he did it for, for a long time. After football injuries got to him, you could still do the bobsleigh. But for the NFL, like if you were going to have a combine as an open combine, that would be cool. If you think you're an athlete, sure, we'll, we'll open the door. We'll have a two-week-long thing. Anybody who wants to try out for this, Show up, and if you look like you're a freakish athletic specimen, we'll give you a look further. That's what I am now. Well, the, the freakish part. <laughs> That's what I meant. Uh, I don't want to be mean. You're not freakish. I'll leave it there. <laughs> Take all the time you need. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML.
Don Robertson in studio from the, I never introduced you off the top of the show, I don't think, owner and operator and coach and GM and everything else of the Dundas Real McCoys and Com Choice Realty and all kinds of other stuff in Dundas. So when the NHL playoffs begin in a month or so from now, we're getting close. Yeah, month. Getting close. They will be, the NHL is going to be introducing a new puck onto the ice. The square one. No, it's not square, and it's not the Fox track like we had once upon a time yeah. back in the 80s or 90s. When WHA it one. No, no, that was when Fox put them on. Yeah, no, this is this is now a new one that's got all kinds of, it's got a computer chip or something. The whole idea behind this is this is going to aid with analytics. So you'll be able to tell exactly how hard a slap shot is, exactly how fast a puck trial. Like it, somehow, I don't even know what all the stuff is that you're going to be able to get out of this. But somehow this puck is going to be able to enhance hockey in ways that we have never imagined that hockey could be enhanced. I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll enhance the way the game's played, but it may give them the technology to know if it's across the goal line. Or See, that would make sense. That would make sense. That yeah. would, that would, that would be a way, hopefully, I don't, it doesn't say, hopefully that's, if you're going to bring a puck like this in, hopefully you've got that kind of technology to go with it. Otherwise it's Yeah, it doesn't really, the pucks don't need defibrillators or anything like that. They don't get tired. <laughs> that's right. Well, you've, you've got defibrillators in all the arenas now. If we just make the pucks defibrillators, <laughs> that could work too. Um, no, it's, it's going to be used that will give information to coaches and general managers and scouts and everything. I, I have no idea what information this is going to be. Uh, cause I don't know where else. I mean, I, I suppose you could see if we're going to put a chip into a puck, I suppose you could see putting a chip into a stick or putting chips into skates or. Well, the, 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 the chip, I mean, and as always, you have the advantage having been able to read something about this and I don't have a clue what you're talking about, but it might be able to tell you how often the puck's on the ice versus it's not on the ice, how often passes are made elevated versus on the ice, it'll tell you the speed of the passes. It'll be interesting information when you start finding out you've got to watch that defenseman because when he sends the puck up the middle, it's a rocket. But could you not see that? I don't know what you're going to do about it. We were just talking about scouting in the combine. Could you not see that just by watching a game to know that when defenseman X clears it out, it goes hard? We we can figure it out now. We don't have any chips in the puck. it goes back to the point I said earlier in the show today is I'm not against analytics in sports, although the point I made is I think we are, we lose something when sports becomes so serious and so scientific and we take the game part out of it. I mean, I love baseball. There's parts of baseball now though that drive me nuts because it's not being done by gut feel by a manager or something. Everything is based on the numbers. Everything now is based well, on the numbers. And I think some of the numbers, like some, some of the analytics likely that a puck will give you, I, I, I'm not... Uh, putting a chip in a puck and having it give you a whole bunch of more information and detail, that's one interesting, you know, maybe have a beer and talk about it. But the reality is... How's it going to improve the game? Like, what what can you do with that information, for example, that that puck can give you to make you a better hockey team? I would have to see all the suspected things because I I can't see what information the puck's going to give you that you can't see 
and or sort out on your own. Here's what I fear about this. Baseball right now, I'll tell you two things that we've heard about in baseball in recent years. And I know there are people who love this stuff. So I know that I'm not preaching to a choir here. There are some people who think this stuff is great. I have heard more about launch angle in the last few years. Launch angle. And now they measure everything about the angle of the ball coming off the bat. And there's a perfect launch angle if you can do it. And now everybody wants to achieve this launch angle. And what you end up taking out of the game is all the stuff where you slap a ball over the other side of the, like a lot of the stuff that made baseball unique because it was situational play. Everybody now just wants to have launch angle and spin rate for pitchers. It's all about the spinner. How fast can you spin the ball? I can tell you that Clayton Kershaw has a great curveball. I don't know what the spin rate is, but I can look at his curveball and say, that's a terrific curveball. Does it matter if it's 4,000 revolutions per second or 4,200 revolutions per second? I don't know. It's just a great curveball. Babe Ruth had a pretty good launch trajectory. He d- yeah, he did. And, and Remember, it, it's a round ball and a round bat. It's hard to hit a square. I, I, I fear, I, I rue the fact that so much of sports is now being scienced to within an inch of its life, that the joy and the fun and the uniqueness and the th- creativity and the gut feel and the making decisions based on, you know, your experience and everything else. Like, honestly, you or I, who know the game of baseball, but we're not professionals, you or I could both be the manager of a major league baseball team. Now, I'm not saying we would necessarily do a great job at it, but you have in front of you now as the manager, every single piece of information that would tell you what you need to do in that situation. There's no more gut feel. It's all about science. I think the winners do have gut feel. I really do. I think still the, the good managers and the good coaches go, you know what, Radley, you go out and appoint in this power play or I'm going to let you pitch it today because I've seen you pitch it in these circumstances before and you don't need four sheets of data to tell you that. I, I think a lot of that information has not made the game a lot better. With all the analytics that that uh, hockey and baseball have now, do you think the game's any better? I think the athletes are better, which makes the game better. I don't know if the analytics make it a whole lot better. The coach that you describe, and they're, they're out there who still use gut feel. So let's say you decide you're in baseball and – there's a situation and the science, the numbers say you should do this. And you go, ah, but I got a gut feel. I'm going to go against the numbers. That's fine if it works. But now that we have all this information, if that thing blows up in your face, you're the idiot who didn't look at the, there's just, it's, it's, it's a Pandora's box that you can't close. First of all, there's no way to put this back into the box. We, we are locked into this now. Even if you were to say, we're going to start a new baseball league where you can't use analytics. You're still going to use analytics. It, it's it's there. So let's go back to what we started with. The, the you initiated right off the bat. It's cheating. They're trying to find ways to stop the cheating. You don't want the cameras. You don't want the sign stealing through electronics. The old fashioned way. If your guy's on second base and he can let the guy know it's a fastball, they change the signals up. If you can sort that out, then God bless you, right? So, would it be fair to say that the first team that started doing analytics, Moneyball, were they cheating? They were using different information. It was different information. It wasn't cheating. 
Well, it was it wasn't cheating because it was information that was readily available to everybody yeah. if they chose to look. But at was it, it when it came in? Was it a form of cheating? Were they going? Well, they're kind of cheating because you know they're keeping track mm. of all this stuff. No, I don't. Th- I mean, it, look, if, it wasn't banned, but it wasn't. I don't see how it was, it was useful. I mean, uh, if this was information that was only available to the Oakland A's, then it would have been cheating. Yep. If only the if there was a this information was gathered and only they were allowed to have it, but any team could have done this. You know, there, you know, back then it was guys sitting in the, around the manager's room having a Bud Light going. That's a fad. That's not going to catch on. It doesn't matter. Radley can't hit a sinker ball. I don't care how much analytics you look at it, because we're going to keep throwing them sinker balls. There be there was managers around. You know, saying this is just a load of load of horse manure. Yep. Now everybody's doing it. Old school guys fight stuff. I don't know how you, as I say, I don't know how you, because you can't revert to the more simple, and it sounds so old fashioned. I mean, I feel like I should be an overall sitting on the front porch listening to the Cardinals on the radio. Um, But it's just impossible to go back to just playing, just playing. I mean, if, if Babe Ruth, you mentioned Babe Ruth, if Babe Ruth was alive today, they would have every chart on this guy. He'd be getting intentionally walked. You'd never, like, there's just too much information. Instead of the term, you better pitch around him or he'll, he'll hurt us. Just don't pitch. Just don't pitch to him. Well, they're going to start just pointing at first base and down he goes. There you go. All right, uh, Don, thanks for coming in. Always appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.